So, hello and welcome to the Icons of Relocation podcast, and I'm your host, Simon Johnston. Today, we're going to be talking about the UK rental housing market, and to help us do this, I'm delighted to be joined by Matthew Savage from Savills. Uh, Now, for those who don't know Savills, they are perhaps the leading letting agents and sales agents in the UK, and also a company that we have worked with for many, many, many years. So, um, thank you, Matthew, for being here. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, now, perhaps to start this off, you could just give us a little bit of background about how you entered the property industry, career path, and your current role at Savills. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, as, as a graduate, um, I, I qualified uh, in marketing and advertising, so not really anything to do with property. I'm from the University of Hull, having not really made it as a footballer, so um, I had to choose a career path, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, moved down to London uh, to find work, and um, it was actually Foxton, so the, the very well-known agency who had a wow. graduate programme, wowed me with their advertising, um, and I, I joined them um, and went into their corporate services team back in so that was 2006 um so it's a relatively fledgling team at that point i uh, did three and a half years there um learnt all about relocation got quite a thick skin as well um and then moved to marsh and parsons uh, to run their team who were smaller they were they were primarily west london at that point slightly yeah. bigger now um did two years there and then savile's asked me to come across um and relaunch their corporate services team so that was 10 years ago now, um, and a very feels like a very quick 10 years because a lot has happened in that time. Um, and yes, yeah, so I run the, the corporate services team, which is essentially dealing with um, all our relocation agent partners that we work with very closely, um, assisting with the home search side of the, the relocation, um, and also working with certain firms directly that don't have relocation providers. So that's quite niche industry, should we say, where the volumes aren't quite as, as large. So quite well versed in the in the relocation world i think and um i also sit on the, the lettings board um for the savills uh, lettings division so um i have good exposure to, to the wider lettings business as well oh fantastic okay well clearly we're talking to the right person matthew so thank you for your background uh, now, <laughs> i think it's probably fair to say the uk housing market has seen some extraordinary changes in the last year or so could you just help us and walk us through what those changes are but Perhaps more importantly, how did we get here? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's certainly been turbulent, uh, for want of a better word, over the last couple of years. And clearly one of the major factors has been the pandemic. Um, Prior to the pandemic, we had Brexit to deal with, clearly. Um, We did think that Brexit was going to have a a bigger effect than it had actually ended up having, um, which was pleasing for everybody. So relatively straightforward. We did have some issues in the sales market with respect to tax relief for mortgages, um, tax relief for landlords with rental payments, etc. that changed significantly. And we started to see pre-pandemic the introduction of quite heavy legislation um, on the lettings market, a lot of which added quite a lot of costs to landlords, where yields weren't particularly fantastic anyway so cutting into the profitability of being a landlord was was something that was happening quite a lot prior to the pandemic um, and then when the pandemic hit we saw a couple of things happen really um, one obviously a very sharp stop to global mobility and international movement so a lot of cut in demand um, 
for landlords who own properties in urban centres, we saw quite a big shift of, of people moving out of those locations to more rural or, or suburban or countryside locations where they could get a little bit more space because they were so worried about being locked in a, in a flat, understandably, um, without outside space, etc. during things like lockdowns. And we also saw at the same time we had um, a sales market that was booming with prices growing, um, incredible demand for what we thought was going to be quite a short period with the uh, stamp duty relief um, that was offered to encourage purchasing and encourage transactions, which certainly did the trick. Um, but the demand continued. Um, and a lot of our landlords at the time did actually think, well, okay, I'm getting quite a lot more cost um, placed on me. Actually, it looks like I can probably achieve quite a good sales price for my property right now in this market. So let's test the markets. And lo and behold, a lot of them did sell. So throughout sort of 2020, we're in quite a strange market because that was happening. But at the same time, we had urban locations where we still had quite a lot of available property because not only the demand wasn't really there, um, but also we had quite a lot of property enter the market from the short let uh, market, which from a travel perspective was quite, uh, was hampered quite badly by the um, uh, by the pandemic. So they thought, let's let's get into the long let market, let's bring our properties to that market and see whether we can find a long term tenant and just ride this out. Mm-hmm. So that came. So we had quite a strange um uh, a strange divergence between the urban and the country markets. So the, the country markets were incredibly swamped with demand. Stock was getting taken quite quickly and they were, they were quickly running out of, of available property. Whereas the urban markets were seeing the opposite. So prices were taking... Prices increasing in the uh, the country locations. And were yes. you seeing any sort of decrease in prices in, in, the, in this sort of the city locations or was it just that there was stock there where there wasn't outside? Yeah, a bit of both. So we did start to see landlords take offers that were well below um, the asking prices, which were which were re- resetting the market somewhat. Um, we did, I mean, prior to the pandemic, for example, we were um, looking at uh, prices that were about 1.2% below um, the sort of peak. So relatively small drops. Um, and then as the markets recovered, we saw a bit of a shift in that again. So <laughs> things changed once more. Um, we still had that huge demand for properties with more space because there was still that underlying uncertainty about what was going to happen with lockdowns, etc. Um, but we did start to see people coming back into urban locations. So as offices started to reopen in 2021, um, late 2020, but more through 2021, really, um, people thinking, right, okay, I probably need to reestablish myself back a little bit closer to my office, um, except from a commuting perspective, etc. We started to see people come back. Then the student market picked up as well um, as people started returning and the short air market picked up. So lo and behold, a lot of that property went back. So all of a sudden, the urban locations were left in a position towards the second half of 2021 where the properties were disappearing fast. Um, demand was increasing significantly. Properties were leaving the market. Current tenants that were in situ were renewing their tenancies because they thought, I don't really want to go and play in this market. <laughs> I'd rather secure myself this tenancy. And it left us incredibly short of, of properties. I mean, 
record shortages that we'd never seen before, really. Which it's really interesting to me, just to, say, to sort of interrupt you there, but it's really interesting you said that so you're saying that a lot of tenants weren't moving because they realised that actually staying where they are was incredibly sensible. So you have this extra dimension outside of that. You didn't have this sort of natural generational stock. That was coming to a bit of a halt as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a, a perfect storm from that perspective, really, of um, of effects that were creating this this market of um, very very large demand as as things reopened. I mean, as as you you will know very well, um, cor- the corporate market picked up heavily and quickly, um, and I believe there's a lot of pent up demand from the previous year as well that was trying to come through. Um, students were back and desperate to get back into their um, well, desperate not to be at home and studying virtually, um, along with everybody else. The the typical market that we would see for any time of year, the sort of try before you buyers um, in suburban locations or people that were testing out where they where they wanted to live before they committed to a purchase, and all the other tenants um, were still there, or all the other applicants, should I say, were still there. So huge, huge demand, um, unprecedented demand. In some cases, we were looking at fifty percent more. Um, demand than we were seeing in, tw- in the same months and weeks as 2019 um, and stock was less than 50%. half I mean that just takes a second just to, to, to get that in um, on board I mean yeah. that is a dramatic difference isn't it over a course of what, less than sort of two years yeah absolutely absolutely and it was um, I believe it was just the the release of people um, both from an international mobility perspective um, and domestically who could just then they could move so they were going to um, and yeah it just created a, a real um, issue on the ground from their perspective really um, because there was huge competition for property so we were seeing multiple bids on properties um, we we're seeing properties going significantly over the asking price because of final bids etc to secure them um, and it was uh, yeah it was a difficult situation for for applicants and uh, unfortunately in, in urban locations certainly that's something that we're seeing continue to this day so when we talk about urban locations are we talking about sort of pretty much most of london or are we talking about those prime locations of london is, is there a difference between sort of the areas that perhaps are the epicenter for this conversation that when people are relocating into into london or any major um city you'll focus on or are you seeing this as sort of a universal truth unfortunately universal truth there are subtle differences but generally speaking yeah universal truth um and you see it with um for example we have um, work closely with the Canary Wharf Group, who recently launched, well, I say recently, um, 18 months or so ago now, launched um, huge buildings in Canary Wharf for the first time um, that were built to rent, so specific rental buildings. Um, and as soon as things opened up, like we've just talked about, the lettings went through the roof to a point where I think it was potentially September last year where they they literally said we can't handle any more move-ins this month because it was it was overwhelming so they had to um just hold off uh because the the demand was so strong and we saw another urban location for example similar sort of time throughout 2021 in manchester um another build to rent so specific rental building was launched the first phase i think it was 120 units that they had all of which um let off plan so let before they actually completed. Actually, I, I, I was going to ask you something else, but just picking up on this sort of um, bill to rent, and this this is a relatively new concept for um, for those who are not familiar with it. Could you just explore that quickly and explain what's what that means and what what's happening in that area? Of course, yeah. I mean, traditionally, we're all used to developers building um, 
large buildings um, with excellent facilities, but normally for sale. Um, and a relatively recent phenomenon in the UK, something that globally is probably more uh, more common, um, but in the UK it hasn't been, is, is developers building purely rental buildings. So they, they're not selling them, they're holding onto them um, and building them for rental purposes. So th- they come with real benefits, um, such as the facilities that sort of I alluded to earlier, and that might be anything from having gyms um, to on-site working areas. So they might have communal working spaces with Wi-Fi throughout the building, etc. so people can technically work from home and they have dedicated spaces to do so, to things like having yoga instructors come in <laughs> um, and give classes, to oh. um, the, the often the um, ethos behind a lot of it is they, they want to really create a community as well to attract tenants and retain tenants as well. So they do offer a really, really nice lifestyle um, and an ease of living in many ways as well with, with the security that comes with with that. So really, um, they can be quite uh, quite appealing to a lot of people. But yeah, huge appealing. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I imagine they're, they're not plentiful at the moment because that will take quite some time for these developments to really sort of ratchet up and sort of come onto the market. So yes. relatively speaking, quite modest, would you say, at the moment as a sort of percentage yes. of the stock? Yes, absolutely. The pipeline is um, is very strong. But of course, we have all sorts of delays with construction, etc. at the moment. Um legacy delays over the pandemic and, and Brexit um, that will probably extend those pipelines but um, there is appetite for institutional investment to get involved in this arena and I do believe it will get bigger and bigger but yeah Simon you're completely right it's not there yet um, and it will take time to, to grow. I want to watch isn't it so it's an interesting development from the UK perspective um, yeah. so this sort of kind of leads on to a sort of uh, a fairly maybe obvious question is that for, for those relocating or for those in the HR teams looking to relocate somebody to the UK um, what does this mean for them and for the assignees and is there any sort of advice you can maybe offer uh, to, to HR or the assignees who are preparing to, to move here? Yeah, I think um, it's almost like the Boy Scout thing. Be prepared, be prepared. Um, and uh, well, how do you do that? It's, it's still intensely competitive. Um, prices, I mean, to, to give you an example, so, so over 2021, um, the London market grew by about 6.1%. Um, the suburban, we call it the commuter zone. So that would be areas in Surrey, for example, places like that, where right. the more family houses, they grew by 8.3% last year. So, um, 8.3. So isn't that interesting? So intervene that actually the sort of the, the home counties, if you like, these are counties that border onto London. They grew at a rate faster. They did. which is again you and i might be aware of that but from an outside perspective that's quite a surprise isn't it it is yeah and it's down to the um that initial surge of people moving out um right at the beginning of the pandemic which uh which really um got rid of a lot of available property and, and tightened the the availability and of course the demand out there is is, is consistently strong but one, one of the things that drives it is schooling so Sometimes that's almost a necessity and people, I, I, you know, I absolutely want my children to go to this school, so I have to find something in the, in the vicinity. And that's, that's a challenge um, and has been a challenge because of the, the lack of availability in those locations. Yeah. The good news is that um, in those locations, we're seeing now more what we call pitching. So for the first time in a long time, our pitching numbers, which is essentially the times that our my, my colleagues will go in and speak to landlords about bringing their properties onto the market, are now higher than they have been in a really long time. So we would expect that to 
develop a pipeline that comes through in the next few months. So hopefully we'll ease things slightly. Um, we're seeing a slight increase in London and urban locations as well, which will hopefully come to fruition, but it's not as strong, unfortunately, at the moment. Okay. So well, that's yeah. interesting. So you're saying that the, the amount of potential properties coming to the market is increasing. But uh, a short while ago, you're saying that obviously a lot of landlords left the market. Yes. Uh, because of investment. So what are you seeing? Are you seeing that more landlords are then coming back in again? So is there a potential for stock levels overall to increase because of that? Or is there any other dynamics going on that will change the way that we see in the market? Well, we have to remain hopeful, and, and we've seen some some good indicators. Buy to let uh, lending, for example, increasing, which yeah. is a good sign because obviously they will hopefully be the investors that will be bringing those properties to the market as as and when they get that uh, funding and finance. Um, but the the UK still remains a really good place for people to put their money, and um, we're still seeing international appetite um, from investors abroad. And it might not be that they see it as, as a place that is going to make them a lot of money with, for example, yield and the profitability that that might bring. Um, and we're very honest with them and they understand the legislative costs and the need to maintain the properties and what that will, um, what that will mean to their profits, etc. So um, they're coming into it with their eyes wide open, but they see it as really strong wealth preservation. So they understand that it's very unlikely that the value of the property is going to go down. In fact, it's probably going to increase, albeit potentially slowly. Um, so they still have that wealth preservation argument to, to come and invest in property in the UK, and we're seeing that. So it's aligned sometimes with um, some of the launches of buildings that we have. So the pipeline of new buildings can sometimes um, correlate quite uh, quite strongly with the investment that comes in, because a lot of these international buyers like to buy newer build properties. Um, but there are green green shoots, and we are seeing good signs. So those, those two things specifically will hopefully continue to to drive property into the market. Okay, so I, I'm probably going to be a bit unfair now and say, okay, well that's that's really interesting. But based on that uh, insight, could you offer some predictions of what you might see over the course of this year, or maybe drifting into early next year, as far as sort of overall stock numbers are going, or, or what you think might be happening on on rent prices? It's, it's going to be it's a difficult one to predict. I think rental prices, we, we have laid some predictions down, which I'm, I'm definitely happy to share. Um, and we, we see a, a slight slowing in growth um, in, in the urban markets this um, for this year. So we think we're probably going to be looking around 4% rental growth in urban markets, certainly in London, um, for this year. In the commuter zones, we think that is going to be curtailed even more. Um, and we predict about only about half a percent potentially growth because we're coming from quite a high base and we yeah. do expect there to be more properties in those areas as the year progresses. So the, the demand and supply issue is going to hopefully ease somewhat. Um, so we do think there will be, there'll be uh, a curtailing of rental growth there, which probably leads us to believe or, or is because we think stock might be or available property might be increasing in those areas to make it slightly easier for people coming over. Um, but in terms of, of the urban centres, it's it's difficult. There are certain developments that we know are coming, which will ease things. But of course, they are in very specific geographical locations. So yes, we might get an easing in a certain location, but that mean that doesn't mean it's going to be across the city or um, yeah. The, as, so as that's very interesting, isn't it? So you, what we're basically saying is you, you, you can't take any of the major cities. I mean, I'm talking about London primarily because that's not obviously a clear epicentre, but it's obviously uh, wider than that. So what we need to do is make sure that we're looking at sort of the, the key areas here and actually see what's going on there rather than trying to be as your universal truth to say this is what's going across the whole of any of the major cities. So we've got to yes. be really quite focused on our, on our, on our messaging here. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and going back to that point of, of advice, you know, the, the preparation and um, and flexibility as well. So, uh, what do I mean by that? Well, you, I guess lead times um, are key. It's no longer the case that you know those last minute moves are going to be absolutely easy to um, easy to assist in terms of finding accommodation because we probably need more time um, at the moment. So, the more time someone can give us with respect to their arrival. Um, we can, you know, hopefully find them something more, more suitable. Um, flexibility with start dates are along the same lines there. Um, can you actually start something a little bit earlier rather than leaving it, leaving it later if something's available now? Because, of course, the thing to be aware of is the competition. So let's say, for example, um, an assignee is coming in and they must have a six-month break clause and they must have an option to renew yet the four of the people who are interested in the property can offer two years straight or a year straight or, or something like that. It's being aware of those market dynamics that are going to put them, let's say, perhaps um, down the queue in terms of a, of a landlord's priority when looking at the, the offers. Prior to this market and prior to the pandemic, landlords were always asking us for corporate tenants. They wanted the best quality tenant for their property. The long-term nature typically of a corporate tenant was something that was hugely favourable. The last two years have kind of reset that slightly. And one of the major factors around that is the uncertainty. So is there more flexibility if someone just gives them a year straight and they can reassess and see where they are in a year's time? We're hopefully seeing a bit of a reset now as things normalise once more. So I believe, and what we're seeing on the ground, um, certainly with respect to um, the offers we've had agreed in January and, and February so far this year, that landlords are now resetting a little bit towards, okay, things seem to be settled now, we can look again at those corporate terms and corporate tenants. However, we still need to be very mindful of the competition that's out there um, and the supply and demand issue. So where there is a possibility to be flexible on terms, I think that's really important. Um, I think then it's about move dates and wish lists. So everyone, I would encourage everyone to come in with a vision of what their perfect property is, but be always willing to compromise. And whether that compromise is location, whether the compromise is size, um, whatever it may be, we will always advise on that, but be willing to compromise and know that the ideal situation might not be out there. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice. So just one thing I just want to come back on, because I think it's quite an important issue. You, you said about sort of lead time. Mm. Um, can you explore that? Because I, I perceive by that you're talking about the fact that there's a notice period when the previous tenant is vacating, uh, and then that that's what you mean by lead time, so don't leave it to the last minute. Could you just explore yes. that quickly, just to explain for anybody who's not familiar on how that contract part of the UK works? Absolutely. So typically in the UK, um, either a landlord or a tenant needs to give two months notice to terminate a tenancy. That's if it's within the normal bounds of the tenancy and it hasn't gone beyond and therefore it would normally be a month or whatever the payment period is. So um, yeah, two months is what we normally look at. And then if you consider that landlords obviously want to try and get a tenant in as quickly as possible, we normally say start your search maybe six to eight weeks prior to when you need to move because at that point we would hope that we'd have the maximum available property on the market for them to see for their start date. Yeah, so that's that's the simple sort of mechanics. Makes perfect I, I sense. So it's very last minute, by definition, you're going to be looking at a reduced pool. And perhaps some of the yes. more appealing properties, if that's the right way of putting it, those may have gone earlier. So therefore, yeah, the right. more chance you can give yourself on lead time, the better. So six Absolutely. to eight weeks will be sort of utopia, potentially, on that regard. 
That's what I believe, yeah, and that's what we've seen over it, not just in this market, but generally speaking, that's that's very um, that's very good advice, yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, so we've got a sense of where it's going. So we think the housing stock will increase, but it will increase marginally as we go through the year, we think, as, as investors come back in and stock levels. Because certainly in some of the areas outside London, there is a, a real shortage, especially from our perspective, we have a lot of people coming over, international schools, for example, American schools, yes. in places like Cobham, et cetera. Those, those are locations. Stock levels are extraordinarily low, aren't they? So they really are, yeah. reasonably optimistic that that might start reversing. I think yes, um, we, we certainly hope so. And um, we're seeing it in the, like I mentioned earlier, those pitching numbers of getting through the door and seeing properties at the moment. So we're certainly hopeful. And we're also hopeful that, that um, the sort of cycle of um, tenants in those areas will start to normalise as well. Because we've had renewals and extensions perhaps that we wouldn't have expected in those areas where people would have been due to move on to their next posting or their next their next move but hadn't they'd stayed put because of the pandemic because of the situation so we're hoping that that will normalize and that cycle of properties just returning to the market organically through the tenancy lengths will start to come in those areas as well so we're hopeful but i think you the the, the word you used there i think Simon, was the sort of gradual um increase rather than sudden so so we don't expect it to be to be anytime soon but we expect it to gradually increase over the year yeah. well fantastic matthew this is extraordinarily helpful and insightful uh, in fact uh, i know i haven't actually said this to you but I, I think this is something we might have to keep an eye on so maybe we can yes. come back and see how things are progressing maybe in a, a quarter's time and see whether our sort of views on what's going to happen is has proved to be reasonably accurate but yeah Thank you so much for, for your time uh, and thank you for your okay. thank you to Savills. As I said, Savills are an amazing company to work with, so I really appreciate you giving us that insight. And likewise, uh, so thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you so much indeed. So otherwise, I'll speak to you very soon and thank you everybody for listening to this podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye.